0: Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you as always by the dot com dot com dot com, where dot com. I recently take—I'm sure you read this—you go to the ringer; you're a frequent visitor of TheRinger.com. dot I did a uh, power rankings of LeBron James teammates he he took to the NBA Finals. It was very well received by the intellectual minds of NBA mm. Twitter, who were were just up in arms about how a certain player's PER was higher than another's and if you actually look at at what his contract situation was in this given year and all this other stuff um, that was kind of the fault that was kind of the uh, uh, reaction tape uh, did Brendan Haywood make the list he did, yeah. I forget Good. where I put him. Good. Uh, I, I had a, I had a ton of fun with it. It was so much fun, and I was just screwing around. And and all these simple, all these all these all these nerds on Twitter didn't realize that the whole point of the article is just basically to group guys together and make goofy little jokes here and there. And people take it so seriously. It, it reminded me that NBA Twitter they get get a lot of credit for being Mm -hmm. they get a lot of credit for being fun and memes and all that kind of stuff but then uh they take shit very seriously (laughs) there's like there's like two NBA Twitters there's like the fun Shea Serrano Jason I I always butcher Jason's last name Concepcion that's how I say it in the Midwest I don't know everyone says I say it wrong um those guys like they make the fun little memes. They're they're the meme lords mm-hmm. of the NBA Twitter. And then we got the like just the the nerds that just take everything super seriously. So I I got I got attacked by the nerds. Dude. Anyway, go to the ringer.com, check that out. We're doing obviously a ton of finals coverage. Uh, a ton of Stanley Cup thing. You watch that you watch hockey, Tate?
1: Yeah, but just for fun. I don't like to talk about it. I I don't understand it enough to talk about it. <laughs>
0: Just, just for fun. So like, <laughs> I'm, scared for
1: s- I'm scared of all the hockey fans. Like, you know, people in the Midwest wearing their oh, hockey jerseys. Um,
0: well, it's funny how you phrase six it. This White, sound white guys. Like, I don't. Like, I don't have fun watching basketball. I do it for serious business, but <laughs> hockey is very fun. It's it's enjoyable.
1: It's fun because um, I don't understand half of the things that are going on like with the, 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 the penalties and the icing and all this other stuff, so I, I just watch, and I, I can barely see the puck. I don't know. It, it It's especially fun going to the games, you know, but TV is pretty fun for the finals. Caps, good it's for the fun. Caps. fun,
0: it's fun. You, you throw a sweater on you go to the games you drink beer yeah. and you call guys on the other team a hoser and you don't know <laughs> anything that's going on Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. it's good time tell uh, me so yeah, we, uh, Donnie Quack wrote, a, wrote an article about the Capitals they're on the verge it's the Caps year our friends at part of my take are very excited Tate PFT commenter is very excited about this. He's a Capitals guy, so mm. uh, anyway, we, we got a lot of great content on the ringer.com. A lot of great podcasts on the ringer, Tate. Against All Odds, Cousin Sal.
1: Against All Odds, that's your podcast. That is a podcast I produce. It is recording right now simultaneously. Cousin Sal is right above us recording. Uh, it'll be a great show this week, probably talking about the Capitals and uh, Ovechkin and talking about the NBA Finals and talking about, you know, Tiger Woods making a little run this weekend on the golf course. Tons of bets on Against All Odds as always. And then also, uh, the Ringer NBA show the people that you were just mentioning earlier uh, all of the Ringer NBA Twitter people they are all on a podcast on this network they all get together and they all talk about the NBA finals um, they talk about who is, who is most washed is the term that they like to use. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard that. That's what the kids are saying. Washed. Um, yeah, the Ringer Podcast Network. Check it out. And uh, what else do we have? We have a big show today. We have to talk about uh, J.R. Smith fallout um, and, and what that means for mm. LeBron. Poor LeBron. Again, having to carry the load of everything. He even has to be the coach now to call a timeout uh, because Ty Lue forgot that he had one in the bag. Uh, we got to talk about some college basketball stuff. John Beeline possibly going to the Pistons. Uh, that's a nice little rumor that's out there. And what else, Ty? You got to talk about John Schuster, right?
0: Oh yeah, I went curling with John Schuster. We're we're gonna dive into all of that. Um, but cousin Sal's recording right now. Yes, right above us. And you're not there. No. You, aren't you the producer? <laughs> yes. Can you imagine. Can you. can you can you imagine the producer of our podcast not being here while oh. we we're recording? Oh. that's what an idea. Oh. What an awful oh. thought. Yeah, Kyle's Kyle's not here. He is in. Uh, he is in Cleveland mm. with with Bill Simmons of the Bill of, of Bill Simmons podcast fame. Um, <laughs> they are in Cleveland for the NBA Finals, and that's my way of saying. The adults have the—I I almost called Kyle an adult. The—the—the uh, the, the authority has left. tape. we, we are—we have freedom to do whatever we want. We yes. have Jim filling in for Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, it, It's—we're going to have some fun today. It's going to be fun. Uh, so we'll—we'll we'll get into everything. We got—we got decision like dis, uh, stay in and going decisions, draft stuff. The deadline came and gone. There's—there's there's a lot of hodgepodge of college basketball. We'll get into all of it. But first, Woody Durham. It's like the- Alright, it is Tuesday. It is a little afternoon o'clock in Columbus, Ohio. It's a little earlier out in LA where Tate Frazier is. Uh, I, I This past weekend, as Tate, you, you teased it, I, I went curling with John Schuster. Mm. Um, we I, 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 I think if we start talking about this, I'm going to talk about it for 20 minutes, and um, I, I know people don't really want to hear it, so I'm going to save it for the end of the pod, so if you really actually care about my experience curling with John Schuster, we will talk about that later. Um, but it was exciting, Tate. You have I bet. I, I brought your name up to him. He has a lot of thoughts on you. He knew who you were. Oh wow. Um, I'll I'll let you decide whether that's true or not. Um, but I just I just want to put that on your mind as we do the show today. So you think about John, did John Schuster talk shit about me? I don't know. Absolutely, you have, you have to wait and see. I would I would only you have to hope wait so. and see with the rest of the audience. I talk shit about him. Um, it's only right. Let's start with the finals. It makes a lot of sense. The NBA finals are going on. Not sure if you sell this. Yes. Uh, the. Golden State Warriors have a two-game lead. Um, obviously, as we, as we already said, the ringer. It's over, it's, Titus. It's, it's over. The series. That's is what over. everyone's decided. The it's ringer. Over. If we are known for one thing, it is Game of Thrones coverage. If we are known for two things, it is Game of Thrones and probably NBA. Um, we have a thousand people talking about this. that so work at this company. Um, Tate and I don't necessarily want to be a thousand and two, <laughs> uh, but at the same time there are things that I want to talk to you about with these finals, Tate. And, and and specifically like how it pertains to college basketball because the big takeaway for me, and again, you you are the one person, we, we, we should preface it with this, you are the one person who's not a Warriors fan who is actually cheering for the Warriors <laughs> in these finals. You're like the only person in America. I don't understand how this happened other than uh, you're the Steph Curry whisperer, um, which we already went over. But uh, you, you might disagree with me on this, but the re- i feel like the officiating has been absolutely horrendous so far in the finals. I feel like it's been very bad in the playoffs, but the finals especially have have really pissed me off and i wanted to i wanted to discuss my thoughts on the nba officiating versus the college officiating because we kind of touched on it last week where you're like which we, sh- we we made the joke that like we should have the college basketball officials come ref the nba and then all of a sudden the nba fans would be like actually these guys aren't that bad that uh that we had <laughs> um anyway, i want to <laughs> say this I'm. I'm Either sorry. I,
1: I just want to see where you're getting to with this because I am. I am where I'm going? Yeah. I, I. I want to talk about the officials, but I also. I would just want to talk about the congregation of people that have all aligned in the NBA to say that the officiating has been bad. That has been the the main topic of conversation. Well, which was, I, you know, which I. I want to hear why we've gotten to this point because. Okay. I mean, I guess the LeBron play when Stephen Clay, you know, undercut him and he went down. That was the one that you I know, guess when LeBron over got tackled. Edge. Yeah, that that was when LeBron that was got the tackled
0: one. by two players and the ball went out of bounds. Everyone was like, "Yeah, no." Uh, for me, it's not even about the Cavs. It's not even about like like. Let's be honest. Part of it is people want the Warriors to lose. Yes, and I would I would, I would include myself in that group. Of course, I would certainly include myself in that group if I'm cheering for. I, I I'm I'm a well-established diehard Pacers fan. We know this, but I'm also a diehard fan of the Cavs. I'm also a diehard fan of any team that I have a connection to that other people don't have a connection to. Mm-hmm. That's how I become a diehard. Um, so I'm I'm, I'm probably cheering for the uh, I'm I'm definitely cheering for the Cavs. But I think for me, it was less like the Warriors are winning these games where the refs are terrible, and more just like it. It honestly goes both ways because like it pissed me off just as much that Steph and Clay tackle LeBron and then like two plays later, Jr. Smith's going to set a ball screen for LeBron and Steph's guarding J.R. Smith and they get their arms tangled up and they call a foul on, on Steph. And, and and Steph Curry's looking at the ref, like, what the hell how is this a foul? And he's absolutely right because he just he tackled LeBron two plays earlier and that wasn't a foul. <laughs> like and, and my point is there's here, no consistent the point I want to, here's here's my problem is the consistency because I've, I've come to this conclusion, Tate. The referees in college basketball are terrible because they just don't know what the hell they're doing. Yes. They're, they are. They're amateurs. They are. Yes, they're amateurs. They have they own roofing businesses. They are like high school principals. They are, you know, they're bus drivers. Like this is what they do on the side. And then they moonlight as college basketball refs. And that's why they're bad. The NBA refs, what pisses me off about them is I feel like they aren't, infor- they aren't trying to enforce the rules. They are, they are trying to just manage the flow of the game. Yes. And that is a very different thing. And, and in some regards, it's like, well, that's good that they're out there managing the flow of the game, but that's not why they're supposed to be there. They're supposed to be there to just enforce – like if someone breaks the rule, blow the whistle and enforce the rule. That's all you're supposed to do. And I swear that that they are more determined to just like control the flow of the game where it's like – oh, we haven't really had a foul here, let's call a foul. Or if there was just a foul call, then a guy can get away with murder and they're not going to call a foul again. And and the reason I say this is because this, I saw a clip that uh, a ref was taking, uh, uh, the Warriors score in the third quarter, LeBron goes to take the ball to bounce it. Like bounces, did you see this? The ball yeah. like bounces into the the photographer. The ref picks it up and just inbounds the ball for LeBron and then just says like, go ahead and go. And it had no, it had no effect on the game whatsoever, but it was just, it kind of just underlines the point that that the NBA is, I don't know. I, I'm 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 about to start sounding like an old man because it feels like the NBA. <laughs> I, th- is I think just you're about to start sounding like Ayesha Carey. Yeah, you're, you're almost getting. No, to that. I'm not talking about like. <laughs> I'm not talking about the games being rigged. I'm talking about like, how the hell does this happen? Where I I don't know. It's it, it it these instances become very evident to me as to why I like college basketball. I'll put it that way because for all the shit that college basketball is and the, the quality of play is terrible and all that, I really genuinely do think the refs. Try to enforce the rules. It's just they don't know what the hell they're doing. And the NBA refs, I can't figure out. Like, I can't figure out. Are these guys on the take? Are they just like no? But but it's maddening. It's so maddening. They Kate.
1: they are on the take. They're on the take for the NBA and the game of the NBA basketball. You know what I mean? They're on the take for we're trying to we're trying to uphold the brand of the NBA above us. When a college official is calling a game, he doesn't really care about the NCAA umbrella. What NCAA and college basketball looks like. He's just trying to call the game the best he can, which a right. lot of time is not that great. But at the end of the day, they are saying hey, that's a travel, I have to call that. That's a carry, I have to call that. Uh, that's a block. Oh, wait, no, change a second. That That's a charge, you know what I mean? And I think that's the difference. Like, the NBA is trying to protect the brand of NBA basketball and what it looks like and trying to keep it a, a, a flowing game. Or if it's getting out of hand, we need to slow this game down and call some fouls, you know what I mean? They're trying to make it an entertainment, uh, you know. Well, that's the whole point, That's yeah. the whole point, yeah. That, that's the split between the two. And LeBron James and, but, but, was not having it with Ken Maurer. Because he was like, I know I what you're
0: this doing. Is my, this, is the, this is the reason I get, I'm i getting worked up is because uh, the, the stereotypical thing is for college basketball fans to sit like if, if you asked if you're an NBA fan, you, it, it makes no sense to you why people like college basketball. It just like it breaks their brain. If, if you love NBA, you're like, it, I, I can't comprehend how anybody could possibly watch college basketball. It's a garbage product and all this stuff. And then the college basketball fans respond with because it's real basketball. And then that makes the NBA fans like their brains explode even more. They're like, "How? What the fuck are you talking? How can that possibly be true? Yeah, are, are you an idiot? Like they, they'll they'll lose their minds over this." And um, I I guess like this this to me is like kind of something to point to with that argument. And I I I like the NBA just fine. That's the reason I think I care so much because like I'm watching the, these NBA games and I I do like to watch it. But the reason I like college more, Tate, is because as you said. I think this is derived from the fact that the NBA is ultimately—they're not trying to crown like the best basketball team. That's mm-hmm. not their objective mm-hmm. every year. It's not like we want to determine who has the best basketball team here. <laughs> their objective is to entertain people and make money from that, and that's it. That's it. literally it. And you can you can cynically say college basketball is the exact same way, and the NCAA is just trying to make as much money as they possibly can. And maybe that's true, but there's still like a sliver of of authenticity to we are trying to determine the best team. And, and all of that kind of stuff does that am i making any sense here tate you're making a lot of i think of that's where that comes yeah. from is like is college and that's when you say college basketball is real basketball i think that's what people are, are you look at stuff like this officiating like how can you throw the ball in and just say play on who really cares we don't really give a shit about the rules of basketball we're just trying to keep the game flowing and get some entertainment <laughs> and have give something people to give, give people something to tweet about and and Keep our product in the spotlight. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and make the meme moments and make all the uh the online people go crazy, obviously. I, I would say this. I mean, the NBA is a well-run organization from top to bottom, starting at silver at the top all the way down to, you know, your your video coordinators and whoever else. I mean, the NCAA is not the same way. Where everything there's not a there's not a company agenda top to bottom. We've seen so many, you know, different things and different agendas within the NCAA because it's all, you know, member institutions that are having certain people running different factions of the NCAA so I think that's the difference really there's no like grand scheme for the NCAA to say it would be great if we have Kentucky and Duke playing in the final you know I I mean I I don't really I mean maybe maybe there is at some level but I I feel like the NBA that's a lot of people there's definitely a much easier way to do that with the NBA than it is with the NCAA
0: people think there are but then they have no response when Loyola makes the final four (laughs) yes when Clayton Custer's hitting corner threes yeah (laughs) college basketball fans always love to pretend like Duke and Kentucky get all this this favorites. And and I I definitely think they do. Yeah. In the sense that some I, think, I think Coach K gets in the ref's ears and is like, I will murder you. And the ref's like, I again, I own a, <laughs> uh uh I own a laminate business. <laughs> I, I I don't really need this in my life right now. Fine. I'll call fewer fouls on your big man, Coach. Sorry <laughs> about that. Like I think that happens. Yeah. But I don't think there's this overarching conspiracy, like people think that because if there were John Calipari would probably have more than one national title, Tate. Yes, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying. Exactly,
1: exactly. And there were some injuries um, that year that uh, helped him get to that national title. You know what I mean?
0: Um, anyway, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's why. That's why I think I'm upset with the refs. Uh, I, I know you're. You're. Uh, you're. You're. I don't know. Can I just you're tell you? State fan can right can now. I can just what? tell you
1: the only reason that I enjoy and pull for the Warriors is in one way. The, the reason I feel so LeBron James this time it is honestly. It's inspiring how singular the man is on a mission by himself. You know what I mean? It seems like he is solely having to drag these group of, this group of individuals around him to the top, uh, and Ty Lue included. I mean, I thought that was the worst part of the J.R. Smith thing. When As soon as you see J.R. with his head down dribbling out and you have a timeout, you just have to call timeout if you're a smart coach. You just have to. You know J.R. is not going to do anything smart with the ball right there, especially with his head down dribbling straight out to the three-point line. Uh call a timeout. That's all I have to say about that. But uh, from a larger perspective, the reason that I like watching the Warriors, and they don't always do this in game one. Game one was horrible because the Warriors are playing the iso ball BS, which that makes me not want to pull for that team. But when they are moving the ball, and, you know, JaVale McGee is scoring 12 points and Sean Livingston slipping to the basket and they're getting wide open dunks, that's just a brand of basketball that I would rather see win because I think it then inspires people to play more like that way. That's why when I pulled for the Spurs... You know, in 2014 against the Heat, it wasn't because I, I don't want LeBron James to win a title. You know what I mean? It's more of, I like the way the, Stur- the Spurs play basketball because, I mean, it's it's they, they are playing best shot. Take the best shot. We're going to make the extra pass. We're going to take the best shot. That's the brand of basketball I want to watch and what I want to to be passed down. Obviously, LeBron's a last of a dying breed where he's just obviously heads and shoulders above everyone else on the floor individually. So therefore he can carry a team, but they don't have to play team basketball. It is LeBron James on every single possession, whether he's trying to find someone else or he's doing it himself. It is all LeBron James, which is impressive. But yeah. I, I I am more I more favor the idea of I mean, it's why I like Carolina basketball. I like a system that that makes, you know, you have great players but they're Listen, playing within themselves.
0: I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I thought the Warriors were a ton of fun to watch in 2016. Yeah, I thought they were a ton of fun to watch in 2015. I understand the Durant something, angle.
1: It's a Durant virus, honestly. It is ruined. Something happened yeah.
0: between 2016 and 2017 that just completely ruined the Warriors for me, and I can't put my finger on what it was, Tate. It's so weird. <laughs> they just became a completely different team, and they they were suddenly no longer fun to watch, and it just became, um, honestly, yeah. Like I'm, it really does piss me off. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to be like I try. Not to, <laughs> I try not to be that petty and let, let stuff bother me. But like, I can't tell you how how much I love the 2016 NBA season. Yeah. Really, the 2015 and 2016 NBA season, because 15 15 was the Steph year, right? Yes, where Steph just kind of well, exploded. And that was, was the
1: first MVP year. 2016 was the Steph yeah. year that you're thinking of when he beat the Thunder on the road and hit that big three and won unanimous MVP. 2016 was the best was, year because 2015, Durant was hurt in OKC. And 2016, we had Russell no, no. and KD together in OKC. I'm
0: 15, 15 was the year that Steph won unanimous MVP, right? No, 2016. 15 wasn't the year when Steph was like just hitting every, every pull. In, well, when, they, when did he hit the shot against the Thunder? That was in 2016. That was 2016. That was 2016. No shit. Me, that was all 2016. Oh my God, dude, this this makes it worse. I thought that was 2015. Oh my God. 2016 then was like the greatest year of NBA basketball ever. It was unbelievable. I, I, I remember like actually watching NBA games over college games that year when Steph was, that was the year Steph was going up. That was the same year the Warriors were going 73 and 9? Yes. That was the year that they
1: lost to LeBron, it, was when they were 73 and 9. That's when they started the season 13 and 0. They beat the Clippers so, out in LA here, which was an amazing regular season game. Oh and then he God, hit the dude. shot on the Thunder. Uh, it, it was So you a, got that a, going on
0: all season. Yeah, that was. A,
1: it was an amazing season because no one knew who was going to be the crown team in the West because everyone thought the Warriors won a cheap championship in 2015. Because remember, the Clippers beat the Spurs in seven, the defending champs. So it was like the Clippers seemed like they were going to be the new boys on top in the West. And then the Warriors snuck into the finals. Kyrie and Kevin Love get hurt. LeBron loses to them in six. Then the next year they come right. back and they're undefeated. They go like... I think it was, I don't even remember what it was. I know they at least got to 14-0. It might have even been like 17-0 at one point to start the season. And then they end up going 73-9. and 9. And then Curry gets hurt with the, Ma- the, the Monta Unis slide in Houston, you know, with the, the, the uh-huh. sweat on the floor. And then he gets out for a couple of games. They go to Portland or whatever. And then it gets to the point where it's basically, they get back to the 20 finals, but they're sort of worn out. And then LeBron gets down 3-1, and then they make the comeback and win game seven in Golden it's- State.
0: It was an amazing season. Everything about that season. That everything about that season, I was fascinated the entire year. Uh the the Warriors had the, the the record they were going for. Steph was Steph was like ascending into a god. Yes. Where like it it was so implausible that, that a player could become like more emulated on on playgrounds than LeBron was, you know, like or like Kobe kind of passed that torch to LeBron, I think, and then like suddenly there was Steph Curry, who I think kids wanted to be more like, and that was That was an incredible experience to witness that happening, where people are just losing their minds watching Steph. Then you go to the playoffs, and the Warriors get down three to one, and that whole series was awesome with the Thunder. Yeah, and then the whole uh, uh, finals was incredible, and like everything about it was perfect, Tate. And then something happened, and again, I can't put my (laughs) finger on it, but just like the NBA has not been the same since, and it really pisses me off. I, I I can't tell you now how upset I am, but.
1: It was That's so sad. fun. That's all I really had it to say so about the how, it. was so
0: perfect. how we
1: we would have had some of the most epic battles in the West for 3 to 4 years.
0: You know what I mean between those two teams. And you had the perfect I'm, matchup. I'm I I said it last week, but I'm mad at Kyrie too. Like Kyrie's yeah. getting off the hook with this, but he he it, it, it was all like there for everybody. It was all set up for everybody to be It was a Like, the 2016 finals, you couldn't get more perfect than what happened there. Like, it's not not even just because the Cavs won. Even if the Warriors would have won, it still would have been like an all-time, this is incredible, let's run this back again type series that no one would have... I don't think anybody would have been upset with Warriors playing the Cavs like 20 times if it was like 2016 was every single year. It's just that the inevitability of it all. It's like everyone knew the Cavs were going to play the Warriors this year, and then the Warriors are going to beat the hell out of them. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. And it's probably going to happen next year if LeBron stays in Cleveland. But he's not because J.R. Smith... I, that, that was the moment. When J.R. Smith tripled the clock out, I was like, oh, shit, it's happening. LeBron's actually leaving. <laughs> did you
1: did you <laughs> see did you see the bench with LeBron afterwards when they yeah, got to I the did. bench? Yeah, that yeah. video, I mean, that's the most damning part because I think everyone was saying that LeBron is upset, you know, at Ty Lu and I'm sure he is, but I think he was just upset at himself because he was like, I I, I I was trying to call timeout. I wish I had gotten the timeout, timeout off. I, you know, that was, I don't know. I I just feel like there's so much I pressure think, here's on the what guy. what I think.
0: My, my 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 buddy and I were watching game two and he he brought this point up about LeBron and it resonated with me that uh LeBron at this point in his career and with this team that he has, he's like he's like trying to teach like kindergartners basic math. That just don't understand it, and you can't figure out a way to explain it any clearer. It's you're like explaining one plus one equals two, and they just keep saying why. Yeah, and you're like because that's just that's just how it is. I don't know how else to. And like that's what it looks like how he, when he when he plays out there. Like the man is such a basketball genius, and he's playing with guys who literally cannot even read a scoreboard, and he's just like I, I don't know what else to do. I can't I can't comprehend this. It uh that that that's the best th- that's the face it looked to me because. I don't know if I told you Tate. I, I I used to be a substitute teacher. I know what it's like to be in that mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you just like try to teach the kids and they just look at you like I don't really get it. And you're like, I don't know how else to explain it. You're just you're just a dumbass. I mean, I don't really know what else to do. But, that's but, the look LeBron has. That's the
1: that's the first time that I've ever I mean, like obviously you know LeBron's great, but that's the true that's the true mm-hmm. definition of greatness when you're so great you can't understand how someone can't comprehend how to be great. It's like the problem, yeah. the reason that Michael Jordan is a horrible GM is that he just sees raw talent and thinks like, of course you're going to be mentally made up in the same way and you're going to be able to do this. And I think like LeBron is that same way where he's looking at Rodney Hood and he's like, you're six, 7 you're a lefty, you can hit mid-range shots from me, you can stretch the floor in the corner, you should be perfect in the series, but when I put you on this big stage, you fold. Why? Just why can you yeah, not deliver? Just make the shot. How, yeah, just, how hard is it? i like, have given you a wide-open shot. Just make the shot. I mean, I think Korver has pretty much been the only one that it seems like— I mean, George Hill has done some good things. I think LeBron has is, is, uh, like, sort of lightened the load a little bit for him the, when he's had to come out of the game. But, I mean, Korver was the only one in the last series that helped. He's been a no-show so far in the first two games. Jr. is always his right-hand man. I mean, even Jr. after the play was like, I'm glad it happened to me because if it happened to someone else, they wouldn't be able to handle it. Because I think LeBron would have choked someone else out, <laughs> honestly. Like he can't do it to Jr. because yeah. he won a title with Jr. and like they've been down for you know however long and that that's like his right hand man on the team or whatever. But if Kevin, the the real winner of this is Kevin Love <laughs> because if Kevin Love had done that, if he had gotten that rebound over Kevin Durant and dribbled out to the three point line, I don't think Kevin Love would still be here. We'd be doing an in memoriam for Kevin Love. Right. That poor guy. Do you feel
0: like? Uh, do you feel like Jr. Smith having? the uh, A, g- a gaffe like this is is somehow does it tie back to North Carolina and Michigan and Chris Weber? Where you know J R <laughs> Smith was a North Carolina guy, right? Yeah, he was supposed to go to North Carolina. Yes, yeah, he, he would have like never payback. done that if you, he went to you, Carolina.
1: That's for sure. He would, as, he would as a have North learned.
0: Carolina fan, do you feel do you feel some sort of personal connection to, to J R Smith? Do you feel like responsible for that? Do you feel like this solely is the name of Carolina basketball? Because I think it does a little bit. Do you think I he think was? You could argue.
1: Do you think he was trying to save Michael Jordan's <laughs> legacy?
0: <laughs> oh, that's what it was. That's a great. I knew. I, I knew. I wasn't sure where I was going when I started that thought, but uh, you brought it back around. J.R.
1: Smith, he's LeBron, the number one Jordan fan. He's also wearing Kyrie's. My favorite thing about J.R. Smith is that he's wearing <laughs> Kyrie's shoes on the Cavaliers, playing in the finals with LeBron.
0: J.R. Smith could have kicked it out to LeBron and hit the game-winning <laughs> three at the buzzer to submit a fifty-point game against one of the greatest teams of all time on the road in the finals, and. And Jarrar Smith is like, yeah, but if he does that, then people think he's better than Jordan. <laughs> yeah, can't but do that, <laughs> but then Jordan's not the goat. <laughs> hey, uh, Steph is going for MVP, is he not? Of course, you're the, you're the Steph Curry whisper. Yeah, I think he is. I think I, I brought it up kind of in jest um, on before the final started, but uh, I think I mean he looks pretty. Deter- he's like, he, he's cocky as shit, dude in like a good way. I kind of like it. I don't like the Draymond cockiness. Dr- Dr- I'll be honest, Draymond triggers me a little bit. It yes. pisses me off. Yes. But, but I was, Steph's cockiness uh Steph's cockiness is is kind of cool. I, I don't know.
1: I was actually going to say Draymond is the one that I think is really uh kind of hurt himself in the series like that little dance move he was doing at Kendra Perkins on the bench. I mean, just the little stuff like that where when you are so much better than another team and I think it's pretty obvious if you if you've watched these two teams on the floor um When you boast like that, when you are obviously better... I think it's going to turn some people on. The alone. fourth
0: best player on the team, yeah, and
1: the fourth best <laughs> player on the team. And like I know that we we brought up the you know the Durant thing going to the Warriors. I mean Draymond played a huge part in that. Like let's be honest, Draymond was the one that was recruiting you know Kevin Durant during the series. Um, and so I think he lends himself to some more hate uh, the more that he goes out and acts that way. I think Steph. I watched the 2015 Finals. Uh, they were just on NBA TV when I was back home in North Carolina, and and I was just watching them late at night because that's you know. Why? Why not? And Steph is just so. Uh, it, it seems like he the moment is so big to him. You know what I mean? Like he's just wide eyed the entire time. And now watching him in this series, he's finally kind of settled in, and he seems to be mm-hmm. you know locked in on who he is. And I know the, the the main thing that I remember from 2016 was Kevin Love being able to come out and guard Steph Curry, and that was you know Kevin Love's calling card to get that Banana Republic campaign and. He he came out, he did that, he guarded him, Steph didn't get by him. Everyone's like, wow, Steph Curry, are we sure he's that great? You know, this is kind of, you know, wh- what's wrong with him? He's not big enough. Sort of like what people do to Chris Paul in the big stage. But Steph Curry now is like Kevin Love is running out to him at full speed, hands up, and he's 33 feet from the basket to the side with the shot clock running down, and he just throws it straight up in the air and it goes in, you know what I mean? It's like he has that confidence again to think that he can literally make it from anywhere on the court. And he lo- I don't know what happened, but when they lost – in 2016, there was about like a six-month hangover period with him where he seemed like his spirits were almost soiled a little bit by it. And now he seems like he's 100% back and, and locked in. And I don't know. It's like a playground atmosphere again with him. And I, I think he's almost gotten a little bit overboard with some of the dancing and stuff, which I don't necessarily think that's that's his M.O. But like you said, it is a show. And I think that the NBA and the people around him want him to be more of a show. You know he can't just yeah. be the quiet kid that hits shots. Like he can't be the babyface silent assassin. He has to be a little bit I, showboaty for people to like him.
0: Yeah, the, the dancing and shit I could do without, but the uh, the talking shit. Yeah, the talking shit is, <laughs> yeah, the awesome. talking shit is nice. The, the, the talking shit to Kendrick Perkins and LeBron <laughs> and all that. I, I'm I, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, the dancing and the all that. I don't know. The, I, again, I, I know I sound like I'm 80 years old, but.
1: but he but he was like when he went up and put that layup up when LeBron blocked it. If that happened in 2015 or 2016, Steph was like sulking, and it looks like you know it really affected him. And now he goes up to LeBron and was like, "You can't well, let me. You can't let me have one." You know, like kind of joking around with him. And LeBron was like, "Get the f out of my face." <laughs>
0: Because <laughs> LeBron's not playing
1: around. Yeah, that was 2016.
0: And the 2016 uh, finals, LeBron blocked him and like kind of chested him. And yeah, they had, they had that moment. Yeah, he and, called and him, he, he said, "You little courage. bitch." Kinda, yeah, he said, a "Little bitch." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, was I mean, it, and I guess it's a little easier in this year when you're in, when you're in Curry shoes to talk shit when you know you're going to steamroll. <laughs> yeah. the cash. Of course, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of cool. But uh, no, yeah, it looks like it, he it, it it's kind of fun. The Warriors are, um, by the way lucky as hell and they have been lucky as hell for like five years now and it's the weirdest thing because like you take any individual occurrence of whether it be like injury history for other teams or like even steph curry just shooting hook shots from 50 feet away with the hand in his face as a shot clock winds down that he makes you take like the individual occurrence you're like well that was the luckiest thing i've ever seen yeah but then when you stack it up over like a four-year span it's like at some point maybe this isn't luck. I, I mean, like, obviously, they're they're obviously the best team in the NBA. That's not like why they're winning these games or anything, but it, it's like the sh- craziest thing how, I don't know, like some of the, the shots Steph hits and then, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with that. That no. makes that makes sense, dude. Doesn't? It?
1: No, no, you're right. But I think I, I also I saw a lot of people where there there is like this big like Stephen Curry kind of pushback. It's sort of like in the same way to pump up LeBron, you have to push down Jordan or or vice versa kind of thing. And Steph, people do that with him for whatever reason. And I don't know. I I was at the Warriors facility last year, and we just watched. It was Steph just doing a practice with you know their Bruce Fraser, their assistant coach, the the guy before the games that just like holds him up, you know, and they show that in the the promos and. They would just roll the balls out to different spots of the floor, and he would just turn around and shoot it. You know what I mean? Like that. Like yeah. the guy. That's just what he does. I mean, he knows that he's he has something special. I mean, I, and he can shoot it over anybody because he shoots the ball almost to the top of the arena, and it just floods right in. I mean, it's.
0: Well not even that it's it's like also that JR is an idiot and also that <laughs> the Cavs don't call timeout and also that George Hill misses a free throw yeah. and also that like game, game, all these guys yeah. who Game 1 was a different Like the story. Cavs players should not be this bad I know they're not great like you look at the roster you're like this this isn't like a Murderous Row of guys but I mean, all the, I don't know. Like you said, like Jordan Clarkson should not be terrible like he, this. What is happening?
1: He was a six man of the year candidate, and look at him now. You know what I mean? Like what what yeah. has gone wrong? What has happened to Rodney Hood? Rodney Hood said that he was watching old Utah Jazz footage of himself to just console himself. <laughs> I I don't know what it is. I mean, I, under, I understand people crack under pressure, and I think LeBron James. I mean, there's an aura of pressure that goes around playing with him because if if you win, everyone's like, "Of course you did. You're LeBron James." If you lose, it's like, "Is it over?" Is the dynasty done? Is LeBron done going yeah. to the? You know what I mean. There's there's a lot of pressure there, and I guess that's what happens. But I uh, How- I, I really think that they're going to get it together in Cleveland. I know I'm, that's probably you know hopeful hopefully optimistic, but I don't think Corver and Jr can shoot that poorly at home. I really don't.
0: Yeah, that, that the not the saying that the role guys step up and home. That's they play better at home. Um, isn't <laughs> novel it, idea. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, it's a crazy idea. Uh, isn't it crazy, though, that uh, uh, if someone would have told you four years ago that LeBron would be playing in the NBA Finals and would be on the verge of getting swept? Not really on the verge. I mean, it's only 2-0. It's not really that crazy. But I think most people seem to think this is going, this, this series is going four or five games. Um, that if someone would have told you in 2014, LeBron will be in the 2018 Finals and will be on the verge of getting swept, and nobody will be making a single joke about him. Like, there's no one laughing at LeBron. There's no one, like, this bomb, this... Eat shit, LeBron. We hate you. All the, like, America is collectively behind LeBron, saying, "Please, please, please, beat the Warriors. We need this." Well, it's, it's wild. I,
1: I will say this: the reason that Golden State is great is because they've made LeBron James an underdog. And I never thought ever, ever, yeah, ever in LeBron's career he would be an underdog,
0: which is insane. I know. People hate. It. Yeah, people hated him four years ago, and now he's like, yeah, it's so it's it's wild. Um. Oh, one more thought ahead. had. Uh, uh, I'm watching these games. And why is it you explain this to me because you watch NBA more than I do? How did when, when did the NBA become every ball screen is just an automatic switch? <laughs> when did that happen?
1: That's the cool when did,
0: why, why, did,
1: yeah, that's that's the thing
0: that that has happened in the finals. Yeah, it, do we, do it, we have it, an explanation for this that like that, like Durant is guarding, like Durant or Draymond are picking up LeBron like three quarter court and he's bringing the ball up and they got that look in their eye like, I'm shutting this dude down, this is my job tonight. <laughs> We're, we're doing what we can to slow him down. Yeah. Ugh, they're like almost going to slap the floor. Like, here we go. Let's do this. And then Kevon Looney's and on. Then it. The ki- And then the Cavs set a ball screen, and now Steph gets switched onto him. And LeBron like, "Well, that was easy." (laughs) Like, what the?
1: And it works every.
0: It works every time. I don't understand how every single time. Like,
1: how are you not either fighting over the screen or just putting Steph on LeBron to start? I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know. It's been hilarious. I have have no answer for that. Yeah, I have no answer. It, It looks so easy, and then afterwards, you know, everyone's having the conversation. They're like, "I mean, and LeBron's getting the squishy once every time here." I'm like, "Yeah, why are they giving it to him?"
0: it makes no damn sense <laughs> yeah. he just, and then Steph Steph bless his heart I love watching Steph Curry play basketball but when he's when he's guarding like a, a, a guy basically, when he gets in like an isolation defensive situation he puts his arms like behind him almost yeah like he's doing like a long like he's doing a it's ski like, jump he's long like, jump thing in the Olympics he's <laughs> he's stretching <laughs> like his, his arms out, back, back out by. yeah I don't know why he does like, that what the, I don't know. It's it's all, but it's so funny to watch. Like, yeah, Durant Durant has that look in his eye, like, I'm going to stop LeBron on this play. And then it just literally takes one ball screen and everyone just dies. <laughs> it's like, switch, switch, like they're playing pickup basketball. <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
1: It's like they're tired from running up and down the floor. Switch it, switch everything. Uh, and then Steve Kerr yeah. goes
0: into the press conferences and makes jokes and just is sarcastic and everybody loves him. They're like, God damn, that's Steve Kerr. What a great coach. He, he calls, he just makes everybody switch everything and tells the best shooters in the world to shoot threes. <laughs> and then, he gets patted on the back. What a what a great guy! And then he and then he gets to go into the media room and just kiss ass with the media. Oh what yeah, a, what a genius! Didn't he
1: win, Didn't he win that award? <laughs> he won an award for like best media guy or whatever. You know, like the media yeah. the media voted him as like their favorite interview. And it's like it's like sort of like how Pop, Popovich was forever when he had Tim Duncan and everything. It's like, of course I'm funny and wry when I know I'm going to beat your ass.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, I mean, I'm always in a great in a good mood. Good. Why would I? <laughs> Man, this is fantastic it's like, it's like John Calipari it's like John Calipari having a podcast when he's going 38-0 or, and and or whatever oh, God. he cancelled it last um, season
1: as soon as Vanderbilt said he couldn't play to start the year he was like
0: yeah no podcast <laughs> well, let's take a break come back and talk about college basketball we do you have ha- anything else you want to say about the finals no I just want to say
1: uh, I, I'm excited for game 3 I'm going to be at game 5 if there is a game 5 so I hope there is a game 5
0: Oh, nice. I think I'm going up to, I might go up to game four, depending on how game three goes. I might drive up to Cleveland for game four. I like it. And and basically just, I'm going to grab Kyle by the lapels and I'm pretending that he wears a, a suit jacket. I'm going to grab him by the lapels <laughs> and shake him and say, come back to our podcast, you son of a bitch. We like making jokes about you and we can't do that when you're not here. He's going to be drinking so.
1: rosé with his pinky out in Cleveland. Uh,
0: come on, Kyle. Kyle already texted me. Is there anything to do in Cleveland? (laughs) (laughs) I try not to take it personally. Um, Let's take a break. We'll come back. We got to get into all this college basketball stuff going on. John Beeline, all that other stuff. Let's take a break. Finding a dress shirt that fits is nearly impossible. Something is always off, be it the collar or the sleeves. Thankfully, ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier with Proper Cloth at propercloth.com. You... Yes, you can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds by answering 10 simple questions. Choose from over 50 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles, that's a lot of options. From classic to business to casual to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want, the team at Proper Cloth works for the best fabric producers from around the world and only buy fabrics. ...that meet their high quality expectations. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing... ...so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. Best of all, proper cloth guarantees a perfect fit... ...meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly... ...they will remake it for free. The whole process is risk-free. This is the future of shirts. These shirts are made completely custom for you... ...starting at just $80. If you're anything like us... ...anything like Tate... ...anything like me... ...anything like producer Kyle... ...who has gone a wall on this show... You don't need a lot of dress shirts. You just need a few nice ones. Go to Proper Cloth. They'll they'll hook you up. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash shining today. Enter gift code shining to save $20 on your very first shirt. All right, Tate. uh, The deadline has come and gone for the NBA draft. If you haven't put your name in already, it's too late. If you're if you're hearing this, it's too late. Yes. I'm, I'm sad to say you will not be drafted this year. Um some of the guys had their names in the draft and they decided to, to, to pull out. Is that the is that the phrase you're yes. gonna use? They, yes. they, they pulled out of the draft. Classic. Pull um, out. Um The most notable who I'll ask you actually, I don't want to speak for you. Who who was the most notable that, that came back to you? Uh, well, who's the Miles Bridges of this year? The Miles Bridges of
1: this year is pretty tough. I mean, I thought I, Co- think- I, I think it's the Martin twins collectively, not one, not singularly yeah. one of them. But I think Cody and Caleb Martin going back to Nevada, uh, I, I find that surprising. I thought they both would end up going to the draft. And then you look at this team now with with those two coming back, and they're obviously a top ten team. And those guys are definitely NBA players. They showed it last year. I think Jonte Porter's got to be up there too because. I mean as yeah. we as we've uh, you know pointed out on this podcast uh we some some believe he may be the better Porter brother so for him to go back to Missouri that's a win for Quanzo or Kanzo as I should say now
0: I, I don't think there is a uh, a Miles Bridges No there's not pretty obviously but uh yeah the the, the highlight would probably be the Martin twins Nevada's going to be so good dude Yeah I, I don't understand how I don't understand what they're how they have scholarships left It doesn't make any sense to me They're going to be very very good we are on the must bus we're excited to see where that takes us uh, Charles Matthews is back I thought he mm. might go mm. I thought like he doesn't have a jump shot that's that's a problem and he, he I mean he, he he can't shoot free throws either that's also a problem but um, I don't know the way he played in the NCAA tournament was incredible I thought I thought he would just ride that momentum um, also back on the last podcast I talked about how there was a report that UCLA was going to lose Chris Wilkes <laughs> Jalen Hands Cody Riley and Sharif O'Neal yes. and Sharif O'Neal being there Star recruit who, again, as a reminder, used like that five hour window where everyone thought Sean Miller was going to jail to he, he dipped out of his Arizona commitment and went to UCLA. Uh, we talked about the report where all four of those guys were not going to be on UCLA's team next year. And then, um, and the seven days since, uh, Chris Wilkes, back to UCLA. Not Jalen e- Hands, back to UCLA. And Cody Riley, back to UCLA.
1: Not even a joke. As soon as we got done with the podcast, I don't even think I was done editing the podcast. I looked on Twitter and it was like, Chris Wilkes, Jalen Hands, both announced they are coming back to UCLA. Cody Riley, too. <laughs> I'd, already, I'd already pitched the whole LeVar Ball thing. I was pretty excited about the idea. And Steve Alford comes in, gets them all back. Uh, I I, th- is this- I think Chris Wilkes is up there for one of the people that's surprising that he came back.
0: I think that's a little surprising. Um, First of all, uh, uh, excellence in journalism, Duffy Mm -hmm. nomination potential for 24-7. Is that how you say it? Or two, four, seven? 24-7.
1: 24-7. Well, it used to be Scout. It used to be Scout when I worked there, scout.com. Now it's 24-7.
0: The artist artist formerly known as Scout, uh, excellence in journalism, Duffy might be on, on deck for them. Uh... Yeah, I think this actually. So you and I, I think we're in agreement here. What we really want out of this Nevada situation, and I'm sorry, Nevada fans, we want we want the must bus to roll mm-hmm. into Tucson, Arizona, yes. or Los Angeles, California. That's where we want. We want Eric Musselman
1: on as the, the big head stage. coach yes. of
0: Arizona, of, Arizona, of a big of basically a, a big time program on the West Coast. That's what we're hoping for. And the most obvious now that Sean Miller pulled his balls out and said <laughs> to the NCAA, basically do something, bitch and it looks like he's not backing down um the most obvious candidate now seems to be UCLA and when, when I heard that Chris Wilkes and Jalen Hands and Cody Riley like let's be honest just Chris Wilkes he's the he's the one guy I'm actually most excited about um when I heard these guys were coming back I was like shit that means UCLA might be good Alford could stretch us out but I think this might actually be bad for Alford because like now the, the the bar is set higher and if, they, if UCLA sucks this year, like UCLA should win the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. If they don't win the Pac-12, the must-bus might be pointed south, Tate. It might be happening. Absolutely. I can feel it. I can feel it all happening right now in front of us. I think
1: it's obviously good for UCLA, and if Sharif O'Neal comes in, and I saw him graduate from high school. I saw the picture, so I believe that he will be going to UCLA I will not buy in. <laughs> I will not buy in into the idea that he will not be at UCLA until proven otherwise. It'd be great if he just showed up at Arizona, though. If he can't get into UCLA, but we'll we'll figure that down the road. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right, though. If if Alfred struggles again, like sort of what happened with, I think the Lonzo ball year sort of hurt him because everyone was like UCLA's a lock after they beat Kentucky. Everyone's like UCLA is definitely a Final Four contender, and then they sort of disappoint losing the Sweet 16. And if that happens again. And you know Bryce Alford's you know already out of there. It, it seems like his tenure will just set. like they tried it out. It didn't quite work. They'll try to go a new direction. And you know, I mean, Mus is there. He wants it. We know he wants it. So it's happening. They, we, this, we do know is, he this, wants this. It. Is his great job
0: interview year for him. We should say this as well. Like Nevada fans, just just know going into this year, this is the last year. Yeah, it's Musselman will not be there long term. You just have to know that. And I'm, I'm not saying that from a place of. I'm breaking any sort of news. I'm saying that from <laughs> I have a brain. And, yes, yes, and, it <laughs> and works I know how these things work. Yes. So just 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 get get into that mindset now. Enjoy the ride you're about to go on. And and that way you're not going to be heartbroken when the announcement comes that surprise, this guy wants to get paid three times as much as he's making and also coach at one of the best programs in the country. Shocking.
1: What um what was it shocking to you that Adidas signed a major deal with Nevada? <laughs>
0: Of course not. I'm telling it, you, dude. Because it was like, not
1: to me. That was great news. That's when I knew the must bus was ready. Absolutely not. It's geared up.
0: That's his like. That's his parting gift. That's uh, like he, <laughs> he. He. They can't be mad at him. He's like, I got you all that Adidas money. Yes. It's. it's I'm. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for where this ride's going to take us. Uh, Carson Edwards is back. Mm-hmm. Purdue. I don't think that's really that shocking. Um, he, him. I, I think the three. I th- they're So everyone on the first team All American team, the AP first team All American team, is gone. Everyone on the second team, AP All American team, is gone either by graduation or declaring early. Um, And two of the guys on the third team, and the only so basically the the if 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 you go off of that uh, uh, standard, the three best players we have returning in college basketball are Luke May, Carson Edwards, and Kyle Guy Tate. Yes, those are the three stars we have returning.
1: And Ty Jerome. So (laughs) (laughs) we have to include Jerome. And DeAndre Hunter. Speaking of Virginia, I think three Virginia and, well, guys are no. on those teams next year.
0: Yeah, yeah. All third team though. <laughs> what, what if What if Virginia has five guys on the third, yeah. AP All American team? It's the
1: Virginia <laughs> starting five is the 13 All American team.
0: Um, guys, speaking of guys coming back, this story is has has been a delight the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, LeGerald Vick, yes, was expected to stay in the NBA draft. Kansas is LeGerald Vick. Um, he pulls his name out of the draft. So he's no longer eligible for draft, for, for, to, to get drafted. But he's, I don't know if he wants to go back to Kansas or what's going on, but the, the story is like basically Bill Self is saying, no, you're not coming back here. We've already moved on without you. Like the, Bill Self said, like, as soon as the season ended, he had already made up his mind that LeGerald Vic would not be back at Kansas one way or another. And LeGerald Vic apparently didn't get that memo or something. It's a fascinating story, Tate. It's 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 fantastic.
1: So the the latest I saw in this is that Bill Self has not made a final decision on the situation, but it seems like I mean, they've already decided that, you know, they have Garrett, they have Charlie Moore, they have Grimes, and then Devin Dotson's coming in, one of my favorite players in that class. So they have just a ton of guys on scholarship, so he doesn't have a place. So this is like the basically the new Billy Preston situation where we just have a Kansas guy kind of lost out in the abyss. I mean, can he sign somewhere else? That's my question. Can he just go somewhere else and play next year? I don't think that's possible. He would have to sit out, right? As a trans, as the transfer rules. Oh, roles? Dude,
0: that's yeah, that's a good call. So he's going to transfer it and they're going to make him sit out, yeah. even though he doesn't have a scholarship. So basically,
1: just by put it, just by testing the waters. And letting his college coach move on, which like everyone applauds the tested waters period. You know, it's so great for the players, yada, yada. So he tests the waters. Bill Self is like, well, he's probably going to leave. I'm going to fill his spot. And then he comes back and he's like, well, your spot's already filled. Sorry. And now instead of being able to go to jump right to the NBA, he's going to have to sit out a year and then play another year and then try to go to the NBA. So he's going to have three years now where he's basically in limbo.
0: I'm gonna predict the future, Tate. Yes. The the media is not gonna like this one bit when LeGerald Vic has to sit out of here. Oh yes. I, I I'm predicting that there will be at least three columns written about this, about how the NCA how dare they? What gives them what gives them the right, Tate? Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. Yeah. I I bet I, I bet that
1: happens. Did you know that LeGerald's mom is Lala? That's her name, Lala Vic. She she said nice. she said that uh I just—it was the second Lala I've come across. Uh, second to Carmelo's uh, wife. Uh, coach Self is busy. She Said she didn't want to bother him. He's focusing on something else. And, and people that don't know, he is, Coach Self is coaching the U eighteen Championships right now. He's pulling the the Coach K where he gets into USA Basketball. Genius move. Uh, and then she said, at some point, I'm going to give give the coach a call. LeGerald will give him a call. Um, so it seems like. The Vic family is all in to go back to Kansas, and Bill Self is just coaching future stars at Kansas at the U eighteen Championships, and <laughs> and he's he's totally fine with Quentin Grimes and all of his other young guys that are all coming in, and he's just living, you know, his best life. So,
0: how is that allowed, by the way? <laughs> Nothing against Bill Self. I know every single coach does it, but or, or every coach that can do it does it. But. Yeah. Uh, can can we start there when we're talking about the the corruption in college basketball recruiting and all that that you let you let these guys go coach these remember when John Calipari coached the uh, Dominican Republic Republic? that was the best that's honestly
1: the greatest recruiting win of all time him going to coach another country just to recruit Carl Anthony Towns to go to Kentucky just
0: just to recruit Towns just so he can play him 20 minutes a game (laughs) And losing the final four. <laughs> oh my God. I think I, the more I think about that Kentucky team, the more I, I, th- I swear that might upset me more than Kentucky fans that like it pissed me off. Cause it, cause it pissed me off all season that Kentucky did the platoon thing. And I think Kentucky fans were like, they were all about it. Cause they thought it was cool. It was cool that yeah. They could pull it off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, this is so much bullshit. Just play your best. Like, <laughs> why is Carl Towns playing 20 minutes a game? This is so stupid. Why, <laughs> why are you doing this, John? And then, uh, it was for PR. It was, PR. It was
1: and, a PR battle.
0: The man, the man took a job coaching the Dominican Republic. He spent that much time and effort to play Carl Towns twenty minutes a game and lose in the Final Four. Unbelievable! I will never s- forget. Ne- that's a never forget story.
1: That's a definitely never forget story. Another never forget story is uh, I had a Twitter interaction with uh, Megan Calipari, John Calipari's daughter, and uh, she was talking about the New Jersey Nets and she was sour toward the New Jersey Nets. Um, and if you go back, I watched that series the other day. Jordan said, you know, they were going to sweep the Nets and everything. But they could have won those first two games, and Calipari did a hell of a job coaching. And I and I will say, you know, to spin this in a positive light. Oh, John Calipari! It. No,
0: don't do that. I think
1: I think We're not th- Bring him back to the NBA, Titus is what I'm saying. I think it's time we need a college coach to make the jump. I know Beeline is, may be on the verge, but it, I think the history is illy You know, written the whole story that John Calipari couldn't coach, and you know he, he had Kerry Kittles out there getting Listen, buckets.
0: That's all I'll say. Don't don't kiss. Don't kiss ass because Megan Calipari was sliding <laughs> in your DMs, dude. I'm not, I'm, no. It, it's got to be John or, like, no. I, I will, I will admit that you and I, we, we, uh, we are easily swayed by people once we meet people. We of course. Love them, but of course. I'm not let. I'm not letting the relatives of those people sway us, Tate. No. I'm just now, saying. If John slides into the DMs, I'll, I'll allow it. I'm but saying no, I will don't, produce don't John Calipari's shit,
1: podcast this season. If, it, it, granted, bring it back, John. Granted, if Reed Travis can go there and they can win 40 games, he'll do it. So I, I believe that it will come back. Bring it back, John.
0: Reed Travis is transferring there. That's kind of big news. Kentucky's going to be uh, huge news in college basketball. <laughs> world. Kentucky is going to be good next year. Yes. Shocking. Kentucky's going to be very good. They got Winnie Gabriel. Winnie Gabriel stayed in the draft. That's like one of the shocking ones. I, it's shocking in the sense that he's definitely not ready for the draft, but it's not shocking in the sense that it's probably like a Gerald Vick situation. He yeah. was like, yeah, you do not come back Winion.
1: Well, but, uh, they did the Kalia Jones. It was like, you can transfer. Thank you so much for coming here, but we have to use this scholarship. By. And then he went to NC State, which was a nice win for him. So, uh, you know, Cal's just for his kids. They weren't his guys, but they were his kids, and he made sure they had new homes. So, I think Gabriel will actually get a chance just because he can shoot threes and he's seven feet tall.
0: That's all you need in the NBA. He's, he's like Willie Colley Stein,
1: you, but he can shoot threes occasionally.
0: If you can shoot threes and move your, if you you have to be able to shoot threes, and then if you can move your feet and/or are seven feet tall, you'll get a you'll get a spot. Yeah, that's it. Um. Other guys coming back to college. Ty's Battle, did we say him? Tyus Azubuike coming back yeah. from Kansas.
1: Yep, Udoka.
0: E- e- oh, this one's shocking. Ethan Happ says he's coming back. <laughs> I thought, I thought Ethan Happ might go to the NBA.
1: Do you think that uh, they, that Ethan right? Happ he went to the workout and he just like got on the block and did that one post move that he has where he you know does the the fake to his right and turns back in inside and then just got swatted by Bamba or someone and they were like, Hey, Ethan, uh, not gonna work, bud. <laughs>
0: No, I like I like to think that Ethan Hap, um, he he was going to test the waters and like all like all these other guys, they they in, in my mind you you go to all these combines and these workouts and then the NBA collectively puts together this huge report where it's just like page after page after page about your game and you go home and you just read through it about what you got to improve and what you're good at and all that kind of stuff and Ethan Happ, his report <laughs> it was just one word that said jump shot and that was it. <laughs> They, they're handing out like like bibles to to the Martin twins and Tay Porter and then Ethan Happ is just like just get a jump shot, dude. Let's start there. Yeah. Just get a jump shot. Shoot it. Make a shot. Just make a shot. I Just like to. Make, I like to think. That, shots. I think that Ethan Happ and Luke
1: May and Nick Ward were like the first people to throw, to show up to the combine, and they were all like working out with each other, and like, hey, I got a real good shot at this. You know, these these guys are right on my level. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the whole crew of like Bamba and like all the five star guys started coming in. They're like, oh shit, no, 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 no. no. I got to go back. I'm what, glad. What, I'm glad Nick Ward's what if going we get back. get to? That's the best one for me.
0: What, yeah, Nick Ward, I don't think Tom Izzo is glad, but yeah. good someone is. Um, <laughs> what if we get to the point where, like, all the best players sit out of the combine? It, it just increasingly gets to the point where basically every first rounder doesn't take part in the combine. And then it becomes like, all the first rounders and like half the second round, and then we eventually get to the point where where it's basically the guys who are not even going to get drafted or at the combine, and then like the scouts just stop going to the combine, and then just, just over time, like twenty years from now, it's just like the guys who are like the seventh men on the end of the bench. And and they are at the combine, and that's what the combine is. And we all pretend like it matters. Oh, it's because
1: that's, it's just the seniors. It's just the seniors from the yearbook. It, it ends up being like the college three point shootout and college you know dunk contest basically. Yeah. it just, it just merges into one no thing. There. <laughs> and there's literally no scouts
0: there. And There's literally no scouts there. It's just like me whole, and you are hosting it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's on ESPN,
0: YouTube. Um, let's get to uh, John line. Yeah. to the Pistons. Let's talk about it. Does this actually have a chance? Do you think this actually has a chance of happening?
1: I think it really has a chance because Detroit, I mean, they're, they're trying to figure out it and they've interviewed all these different people. I, my question to you, and I think the shocking development of the whole Piston situation, obviously SVG's out and they got a whole new regime coming in, but... If there was going to be a time, if you had told, like you were just saying, the four-year rule, four years ago, like the same with LeBron, if you had said four years ago, the Detroit Pistons are looking for a head coach, they're trying to go someone in college to mold some young guys and sort of build from within, in Michigan, every single person in mm. the world would say, Tom Izzo's the guy, right? I mean, Izzo, that, that, this would be the time for Izzo to make that jump. You know, The, the fact that he was in talks to, you know, after Black got fired to be the coach of Cleveland— just shows the respect he had at one point to make the jump to the NBA. So I, I'm really shocked that the Pistons, like I think B- Beeline has become the guy uh, in Michigan now. Like he is the premier college basketball coach at the moment for whatever reason, uh, after what he did with this final four run in the past couple of years. And it seems like Izzo is a little bit tainted at the moment. So I'm just shocked that Izzo is not the name that's out there. If they want to go to a college coach, I'm surprised it's Beeline. Beeline obviously has a great resume. We saw him in person here in Los Angeles. I think he's a good coach. I can't really see him making the jump to the Pistons to deal with, you know, Blake Griffin, Andre Jum- Like, that's not really a team. I'm guessing they're going to cut ties with a bunch of those guys and make some trades to go young. Yeah. But it just just to walk into the building, if you're John Beline, to go from Mo Wagner and Charles Matthews and our boy Duncan Robinson and then to walk in and have Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, and Blake Griffin, I mean, that's a, that is probably the most drastic change of uh, – of setup as far as leadership that you could possibly have for those guys and for line. so I I find that a little bit hard to believe. But if if they're promising him, they're going to strip the roster down and go young. Then I mean, I could I could see it working out.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong about any of that. Uh, I, so this isn't a, a comment on what you just said. It's more that I think whenever these whenever college coaches come up as potential NBA guys, I think people always want to dismiss it and say. Why would he want to do that when mm-hmm. he like the reason he loves the game is developing players and building relationships and this and that? Like, why would he want to go to the NBA and deal with that other stuff? And I feel like that's true of like every time this happens. Like, like I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. Maybe maybe I'm wrong with that, but I feel like people always pretend like Beeline is a college coach. That's what he was built for. This is what he was meant to be. Like, he can't handle the NBA. Um, but I, I yeah, it makes it makes a ton of sense to me. And and the, the regards that like he runs an NBA type system, which is to say he likes offense. Yeah. He's one of the few college basketball. He spreads the floor. He's one of the few college basketball. Yeah, he lets his guys shoot threes and he runs offense. And that's yeah, that part makes sense to me. Um, the, the bigger question is like, why would he want to do it? I, I I think it makes total sense why the Pistons would want him. Uh, I think the, the 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 head scratcher is why would he want to do it? Because like I said, people pretend like if you're a college coach, then you love the basketball being played the right way and all this sort of stuff. And beyond like the, the obvious, which is the NBA is the highest level of basketball. And like, I think that's what everybody aspires to be. Even, even someone like me, when I was growing up in Indiana and I was in the heart of like, like high school basketball was a huge deal where I grew up and college basketball was obviously a huge deal. And that's why I became a huge college basketball fan. Even when I was growing up, my ambition was never, I want to play in college and then, be done and then quit when I'm 22 <laughs> yeah. and go work at a car dealership. It was like, my goal is I want to play in the NBA. And I feel like that's true of anybody that's ever into basketball. So that you start there. That much is obvious. Secondly, beelines like in his mid sixties, is he not? Yeah. Um, he's older. And part of me thinks that like, and this is just pure speculation, but I, I feel like I would be in this role where like beeline says, I, I've been to the national championship twice I mean, it would be nice to win one of those, but I think he understands how hard it is to even get there. That t- t- to say, what I really want to do is like, I'm t- to say, like, my college career is not finished until I win a national championship would just be absurd because you can't expect to ever win a national championship as a college basketball coach. Um, so I would say, like, he's, he's in this position where he's 65. Maybe he's thinking, like, I got what four more years of this, mm-hmm. five more years of coaching. Mm hmm. Why not just go to the why not just go to the nBA if I suck they fire me who cares I'll just retire and that'll be the end of that elite but I'll give it a shot you know like this has always been a dream of mine to coach at that level maybe I should listen or maybe maybe it's none of this tape maybe he's just like he took a phone call he he heard what they had to say, and he'll think about it if the offer actually comes in but I don't know, but it actually does yeah it makes a ton of sense to me that how this could happen even though I think it threw a lot of people off guard.
1: Yeah, definitely did. And I will say, I mean, Beeline is a guy that went from Richmond to West Virginia to Michigan. He has climbed up the ladder as far as the bigger the program and the bigger the platform for the team. I don't think he's afraid of a stage do like think,
0: that. Do you think going from Michigan to, to the Pistons is climbing up the ladder? <laughs> <laughs> for NBA Twitter purposes, yes. For my heart, no. Um, Here, I, here's here's why I really yeah here's why I really want Beeline to go to the Pistons. I got I got a I got a little. Thing I'm gonna flesh out for you. You, I, I love doing this with Coachy. E. I, tr- I almost called the Tom Crean to UConn thing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call another one. Beeline goes to the Pistons. Michigan makes a call to Laval Jordan, Butler head coach, Beeline assistant. He was a Michigan guy. He's a Michigan man. Laval Jordan. He's also he also he knows the Butler way, but he's also a Michigan man. A little bit of both. Uh, Laval Jordan then goes to Michigan. That mm-hmm. leaves the Butler job open for a man. I, can you think, Tate? Does a name come to mind of maybe a guy who has coached at Butler before? Maybe a guy who lives like three miles from the Butler campus right now? Maybe a guy who has a daughter who's enrolled at Butler mm. Is, mm. A, is a successful college basketball coach without a job right now. Ah, uh, Mata? Ooh, maybe. Yeah, Thad Mata, maybe. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Mm. Huh. Interesting. I'm calling my shot, Tate. I like it. Beeline to the Pistons, LaVal Jordan to to Michigan, Thad Mata to Butler. I become the, the video coordinator. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> This is such a great future for you. I'm sorry about. I mean, I, I always thought you would start as a head coach. I thought you would start on top. But if, if that all played out, I think you would be a great video coordinator. You'd be like the Eric Spoelstra of Butler.
0: You know who was a video coordinator at Butler? Brad Stevens. Yep,
1: yep. Look You're,
0: where he turned up. And, and uh, speaking guess of who's which, in his
1: coaching tree? Mark Titus.
0: Can I? Can I? Can I do this right now? The uh, Chicago State update. Yes,
1: and then we I have, have one to, last we have stitch. to get out of one, here because Jim is threatening me right now. He, he's. Jim's gonna lose his mind. Yes. Well, he's got the MLB MOB um, podcast because that's actually in season, so we have to hear the we have to hear our pitch.
0: The new Chicago State. I have a new pitch. Yes. I'm I am now. I, I was going to take a fifty thousand dollars salary. I'm now willing to take a zero dollars salary Tate. <laughs> I am I'm not. offering Chicago State. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. We're gonna save that. We're gonna save the school money. I saw that they. Uh, from from the sources I'm hearing from, they they want to pay like, they're trying to pay their coach 70 grand. Their head coach 70 grand a year is what they're trying to do. That's that's not good. That's not a good salary for Division I head basketball coach. But it, they're, they're obviously struggling for money. So I'm going to say, give me a $0 salary. All I ask in return is that I can have a camera crew follow us around and we can make a documentary about our year coaching Chicago State for free. And then I will take the revenue from the documentary. I will give half of it to uh the school and half of it to charity. Mm. And I will literally work for free. I will do it for free. I've decided I'm at that point. So just, that's the new updated pitch. Just hire There will the not man. be another offer. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay to coach them. <laughs> I can't I can't go any lower <laughs> than free. So that's it. That's it.
1: Lower there is no lower than free. I uh that's that's perfect. Let's do it. Chicago State, the Cougars. It's cougar time. Uh if you if you do it for free, I don't see how they cannot hire you at this point.
0: I'm with you, I'm it just it. That, that's that's the final pitch. So, I
1: there just, we have it. My uh, la- we got to go. We got to go. My last thing, congratulations to John Elmore, aka the White James Harden, for returning to Marshall. Uh, the Dantoni system lives on in college basketball. So, if you like NBA basketball and you like Dantoni's, college basketball is for you too. At Marshall, John Elmore, so happy he's back. That, that was my final shout out. We forgot to mention him, I, I just had to put that out there. I'm, I'm so happy for John Elmore.
0: Uh, I got I got I got a few quick shout outs. Shout out to Jeff Capel for getting his second four-star recruit yes. in like the last month to re, to reclassify. Go to Pitt. Reclassify god. Uh shout out to Bruce Pearl for getting a contract extension. Yes. You know how we feel about Bruce Pearl, so he's going to be around. He's he's he signed through 2023. All the, all all the better for us to have more Bruce Pearl material. And shout out to Oliver Luck for becoming the CEO and commissioner of the XFL Tate. Leaving this was the the NCAA's Vice President of Regulatory Affairs. He was the guy who was in charge of basically making sure everybody's playing by the rules. Yes. He, is, he has now left that position <laughs> to go be the CEO and Commissioner of the XFL. I, so.
1: I have a huge conspiracy about that. I think Andrew Luck will be playing in the XFL. I think it's been a holdout the entire time.
0: That's it. That's the show. Oh, I didn't even get to my curling thing. I'll do it next. Week. Well,
1: save it for next time. We, we're... I got to hear about Schuster. We, we'll, maybe we'll do a whole Schuster podcast. We need to have Schuster on the podcast. That's really the biggest tease. Schuster has to come on. He has to F- confront me. We'll have our 50 cent Kanye West moment face to face.
0: I'll save it for the next podcast. We don't have time this podcast. Uh, we we are getting rushed out of the studio because uh, we don't have a producer. And <laughs> we our film and producer decided to show in like 20 minutes late and then rush us out of the studio. So,
1: Is this still the pre-roll? Uh, fun times
0: for one shiny <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that's the pre-roll. <laughs> All right, that's it. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Save the crew. And don't forget about Rutgers basketball. before we go one last word from proper cloth the men's leader and custom shirt are you having trouble finding shirts that fit i have this problem a lot at least i did until i went to propercloth.com where ordering custom shirts has never been easier create your custom shirt by answering 10 easy questions shirts start at 80 dollars and are delivered in just two weeks perfect fit is guaranteed if a shirt doesn't fit exactly as you like it they will remake it for free. The whole process is risk-free. You have nothing to lose, everything to gain. And by everything, I mean a very, very nice shirt. For premium quality, perfect fitted shirts, visit propercloth.com shining and use gift code SHINING to get $20 off your first custom shirt today.